0: So what I did was I took the traditional movie love triangle of an alpha guy and then two totally opposite girls. And that's every TV show there is. And I just made the actors hand their script one character to the right. So the alpha guy becomes an alpha girl. And the two choices are a guy and a girl. And now you've got a different love triangle and they're really all the arguments and everything. They say the exact same thing everybody else does, but now it's coming out of a different mouth and it becomes a little more interesting.
1: Hello everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music and mostly his fans. I am your host Jesse Jackson. We are getting off the Bruce train today, though he will come up and I am talking to one of my favorite storytellers. I was thinking like, okay, do I introduce Terry as an artist, as a writer, and I decide Storyteller is the handle that works best. Terry Moore, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you, Jesse. I'm glad to be here. And I like that handle, Storyteller is a, a, that's a good one. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah,
1: thanks. I was going to ask, how do you, when someone says, hey, what do you do for a living? What do you usually
0: tell them? I don't like what I tell them. I usually have always said, I make comics. And then that conversation immediately goes south because they say, oh, are you in the newspapers? No, I do comic books. Oh, you do Spider-Man? No. Do you play Batman? No. So it's a lot of that.
1: I am sure you remember this because every time we run each other to the convention, I tell this story again, but my listeners don't. Terry was at Keese Comics years ago, just years ago. And he was doing a signing, and this was early in the days of Strangers in Paradise. And we were talking. I got onto a miniature rant about a Spider-Man comic book that had the Beyonder. And the whole issue, Peter Parker was worried about selling a gold sketchbook to pay for his aunt's medical bills and i said that just makes no sense i don't do it and terry looked at me and says you need to buy my book because (laughs) we handle real world
0: so anyway and i
1: did i picked up strangers in paradise it was i think the mini series yeah it may have been that long ago yeah And fell in love with your art and your story. Thank you for that. And it's been a great experience ever since.
0: And I I got off on my own thing doing my style of comics because of the same rant. I grew up loving Batman and Spider-Man and Superman. And and then as you get a little older and the stories maybe go a little off what you think the track should be, you begin to have opinions so I began to have opinions about gosh I wish Batman wouldn't do this or would do that same with all the other characters and that kind of drove me into making my own story
1: yeah so I did this backwards Terry Moore is a storyteller he has written and drawn actually a lot of mainstream Street comics mm-hmm. uh Spider Jane and Mary Mary Jane and spider Spider-Man. I like Spider King. Uh, That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, Spider King. Yeah. But you're mostly known for your own stories. Strangers in Paradise, probably, if Push Comes to Shove is your most well-known book. Wouldn't you say? Yes,
0: I definitely am standing on the rock of Strangers in Paradise because I did it for so long, maybe. I did it for I don't know, 12, 13 years. And I've done a lot of titles since. They each have their own fans. But I am very happy to stand on the bedrock of my first book, Strangers in Paradise. And so there's a Strangers in Paradise character in every other book. So it really was the center of my universe. And now it's all one big, long golden thread. Yeah. Much like the Heinlein verse where he decided Lazarus Long was, every story was going to hinge off Lazarus Long. I've done the same thing with my Strangers in Paradise characters and just built my own world. Maybe
1: it's yeah. not too different from the Marvel verse. Yeah. So I'm going to get to music in a little bit, but I did want to share this to you. And I don't know how unique this story is. I'm a 63-year-old white guy, grew up in southern Louisiana, southern Baptist home. And homosexuality was not something you explored a lot. And Strangers in Paradise is a love story with two female leads and it i i think if i had to put in place something that helped me grow to understand love is love i certainly would not put strangers in paradise the only thing but i do believe it is one of the building blocks that helped me understand life is a little bit different than growing up in a small town in louisiana do you get that very often
0: yeah, I do. Because I'm not any of my characters. So what I, the quick explanation is I feel like a reporter.
2: I'm yeah.
0: not, I don't have an avatar in the story. I am the writer, the observer. And what opened this, that other world to me, I have basically the same background you do. I lived in Arkansas and Alabama. Yeah. And then ended up, and we both ended up in Texas but so i have that same southern thing and none of this was ever on my radar until my first cousin ben who was he had a horrible time growing up in forest city arkansas there's no acceptance there and he had, when as soon as he was old enough college age he moved out to san francisco started becoming trained training to become a bakery chef and he would and this my cousin ben was the same age as me born the same year first cousin I played with him every time we went to visit in Arkansas, and uh, so we were close. He goes out there, and he's one of the first victims of AIDS. So this is pre-comic book career for me. Yeah, I was so bothered by it because I mourned for him because he had he spent the first twenty-three years of his life unhappy, being picked on. Finally, went out and found himself and got an identity in a life and got happy. And the minute he did, boom, he's gone. I, you run through a lot of emotions. I was mad, I was sad. Anyway, I had, I felt like his story should be told. And when I was doing Strangers of Paradise, I really felt like I was doing it for Ben. I was speaking up for people like Ben, my cousin. And because they were, you don't need another story about a cool guy and a cool chick. We got a zillion of them, and we don't have Ben's story enough. And I thought that maybe I could tell it a little bit different than if I was gay and I was telling a gay story, I might be hammering away at one issue or have it from an angle that straight people may not get. But I'm a straight guy. I like action movies. I like car chases. I don't want to see anybody sit on the couch for a long time and talk it out. So I thought if somebody like me comes and tries this story, maybe I can get our kind of twist that would interest guys like us and get us to pay attention long enough to read the story. So what I did was I took the traditional movie love triangle of an alpha guy and then two totally opposite girls. That's every TV show there is. And I just made the actors hand their script one character to the right. So the alpha guy becomes an alpha girl and the two choices are a guy and a girl. And now you've got a different love triangle. And they're really, all the arguments and everything, they say the exact same thing everybody else does, but now it's coming out of a different mouth and it becomes a little more interesting. I learned, as I got older, I began to realize, hey, we all argue the same way. We all say the same things. We all have the same buttons. Yeah. So I didn't try to write gay or anything. I just wrote human being. And I found out it's the same we all say, man, you broke my heart. And the other person yeah. says, I'm sorry. And it doesn't care. It doesn't matter what gender.
1: It really doesn't. And there is a lot of t- tropes in, in, but as you said, twist it a little bit. Chu is amazing, right? She is, but she's incredibly flawed. And Francine is the, on the romantic comedies, you'll have the leading lady that no one sees as beautiful. Till she takes her glasses off and changes her house hairstyle what well, you don't make it that obvious you just show Francine never thought she was beautiful. And just and through their friendship and their ultimate love, they both blossom and they both help each other, it is an epic tale, it is many volumes and it is a love story that is just amazing so Thank you. I appreciate that and doing.
2: Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win.
1: And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package.
2: And guess what, Rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S.
1: And I promise, listeners, we will get to music. But one of the things that I want, I'm fascinated by, and think i know the answer to this is you love different genres and you're number one in all your stories whether it's rachel rising or echo you have strong characters and it is a character based story but you love like hey let's do a science fiction show let's do a horror show i assume that's by choice and talk to me a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, I I do love all these genres. I'm a movie buff. Yeah. I've read a lot, of, I've watched everything. We've all watched the same stuff. So yeah, I wanted to do a horror story. When I finished Strangers in Paradise, I, I, the worst thing I could do was come out with a clone of it. I came out with a science fiction story and, the, and it was an honestly, it was an honest idea. I came by honestly because I'm really interested in science and all that. And I follow physicists on YouTube and try to understand what they're all looking at. Yeah. You do that long enough with somebody who's a little miswired like me. And eventually I become coming, I invent fiction. Give me a setup and I'll give you a fictional story about it. So I came up with the idea for Echo, the second story. And then After that, I wanted to do something totally different, so I did a horror story with Rachel Rising, and I had a lot of long years and years of thinking about some of those themes that are in there. So it was a great way to get to address that. It's not like I'm just making a mump off the cuff and having to go research it, uh, like you read some people might do. These were things that were just sitting around in my head anyway. And then I got into Motor Girl, which is about a war veteran coming back with PTSD, coping with an invisible gorilla, that's their support animal is an invisible gorilla. But it's all tied to something very poignant that happened and can't finish the mission. And then there's five years, which another totally different genre. And I don't know if we have a name for it, but it's the genre of the, we've played, we've gone too far with our atomics research and we're going to blow up the world in about and here's a date. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do about it? That's I got that idea from David Bowie on his song Five Years off of Ziggy Stardust. I've always thought that was just the most imaginative song I've ever heard because the lyrics in it, he's talking about the newsman is weeping on TV and it's real and what are we going to do and everybody's freaking out. We have five years left to live in and die in and lie in. I like that line where he says, <clears throat> "You yeah, have five years left to lie. We want to get as many lies in as we can. But anyway, I just thought he sparked my imagination. A few decades later, I wrote my tribute to five years. The atomic research that I had introduced in ECHO is now going to be put into a collider. One of the big fears of the Large Hadron Collider is that they're talking about trying to recreate an atomic reaction in there. And critics say, if you do that, it's, you won't be able to stop it. And that's actually the reason why we stopped atomic testing bomb testing is because of the czar bomb the hydrogen bomb they realized that atomic bombs are regional but the hydrogen bomb actually ignites hydrogen and they were they scared themselves shitless that they were going to ignite the atmosphere so I addressed these things in a little more bolder way in the story you can tell that it's something I'm really interested in so it just came easily to do that and then the last one that I did was serial which is about serial killers and I have a very strong opinion about serial killers and what we should do with them <laughs> yeah. and how we should track them. And I happen to have a serial killer in my universe. And I I have that person go after this other person because they crossed the line with them. And it's fun to do a police procedural about how they track them. And they're tracking them for the sole purpose of just obliterating them, not justice, kill them. That's great for me to address those
1: themes and get them off my chest yeah i think right molly and Pooh was the first kind of oh terry is more than just this sweet gooey guy that reminds romance comics there is a dark side to him and so i've loved how you've worked different muscles telling these stories and And What's beautiful is character first. There's always interesting characters. There's always the side characters are well developed. Like all the supporting cast of Rachel Rising, and the reason I'm bringing that is I just recently got the Omnius and I read it all over a couple of days sitting all that and loved that what a fully filled cast that is. And I think that's something you should be proud of, and I assume that's something you work on specifically.
0: Yes. The way it works for me is I have to really plug into every character. Whether they're likable or not, I plug in and and just try to walk in their shoes when it's time. But the thing about me in in stories is a lot of times, particularly in movies, it'll be the third lead or the supporting actor that I am fascinated by. Um, And it's Never, the exotic-looking female lead. It's always that the girl next door or the girl Friday or the it look the person who looks like somebody you could actually run into in a bar and have a conversation with. Yeah, you may never see him again, but it's that person you can talk to. It's Pam on The Office. That's who it is. It's never ever Megan Fox. So right. I really don't have characters like that. And when I so when I get to the supporting cast. I plug into each one every time there's the nerd. And I think, and I think about the times I've seen what I've seen nerds go through in high school. And then when I write the, the boss who talks too loud, but seems a little, and he acts like he's in control, but he's not. I just try to write people that I've met in my life. Yeah. Um, And hopefully what I've found is that, you know, those people too. Yeah. And somebody, I read one time, like in, a long time ago that there were really only like forty one basic people types. And that's why we know these all these characters, right? I know I may have forty one characters and you've met all of them in your lifetime.
1: Jane Espenson, uh, the writer for a while, was doing a blog to help people that were working on scripts. And I always think about this because she said What you should do is if you're trying to write a spec script for some kind of TV show, find two characters that normally don't interact and put them together. And that will bring creativity because you aren't used to seeing them. And you do that often in your book. You will have someone that there is a whole scene of sitting on a front porch or talking about something back and forth that is very entertaining and unexpected
0: yeah if you put on life we're looking to for less friction yes. in the story you want the friction if you put two people in a room and they agree with each other and everything you've got nothing you put two people who don't agree on anything into an elevator and get them stuck in there for three hours now you have a story
1: yes, <laughs> because they're going to argue
0: about everything and I learned on Strangers in Paradise, th- that if I put Freddie, the guy who was a player and a jerk, in the same room with Kachu, who's a militant female, that sparks flew every time. And it became some of the funniest stuff that I wrote because they're just pushing each other's buttons nonstop. And it, at first it was like, she practically pulled his nose off one time. But over the years, in the as the story goes on, they begin to enjoy sh- shaking each other's trees. And Freddie is always there when the chips are down. He's always there, like he's the jerk, but he's the one you can count on if you need bail. Yeah, that kind of thing. But you realize after a while, this guy's going to be in our lives now. Let's do our best. And yeah. but still, yeah, he may be a jerk, but he's our jerk. He's our jerk. At, yeah, he's and, in it, our yeah, circle it, of trust. Yeah, it
1: is. It yeah, it is that and i may give him a hard time but not you yeah i love that hello everyone jesse here so terry and i were about to start talking music and i had to go my wife had a flat tire and um so i, I couldn't keep talking to him uh, terry is going to come back and talk music but i thought our conversation was so informative that about his work as a storyteller that i wanted to release this part so look for more talk with terry moore in the future but for now go check out one of his books you'll be very happy you did there we go another episode i'm about to go through a couple of things where you can reach me and give me feedback um so if you want to skip this, I understand, but I do hope you check it out every once in a while. I'm available on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. The show is available at Set Lusting Bruce. You can send me an email, setlustingbruce at gmail.com. You can send me a voicemail at 469 249 2442. I am currently doing a few other podcasts, Perfectly Good Podcast, John Hyatt from A to Z, where Sylvan Groth and I discuss every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order. My Babylon 5 podcast is Last Best Hope for Conversation, where Lou, Karen, and I discuss every episode of Babylon 5 in chronological order. I still am doing Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast with my brother in time, Charles Gaggs. And then finally, How Many Podcasts, the only podcast on the internet that counts, where my buddies and I discuss pop culture. You can go to our Patreon page and support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can go to our Facebook page, like, and please, please go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and leave a five-star rating and review for all of the podcasts that I'm doing. It's okay if you don't listen to them, but if you subscribe and rate, it really will make my day better. Thank you, and I will talk to you soon. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thanking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Set Listing Bruce. The theme for Set Listing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by
2: permission.